got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Oh, and he was absolutely knocked back into that tweet by Atwood. David Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined once more by a room filled with Bath fans. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Gabriel. It's a, it's a rather depressed room of Bath fans though, isn't it? Unfortunately so. And, and hello, Tom. Hi, boys. How are we, fellas? How was, uh, how's our weekend been? Yeah, well, it was it was it was going all right. Twenty minutes, uh, uh, well, twenty minutes past three on uh, on Saturday, and then yeah, it's slightly downhill from there on, wasn't it, Gabe? Yeah, unfortunately, it was. Tom, how have you been? Not been in in studio for a little while. How's things? No, it's it's good to be back. Um, yeah, unfortunately, just sort of hopes dashed um, as usual. I think like a lot of negativity towards this game, and whilst I was disappointed, I, I wasn't sort of surprised at all um and you know that's obviously uh not a mitigating factor but um yeah i sort of uh, i thought it would be short-lived i thought Gloucester would come back into the game and uh yeah they certainly did yeah so uh let's get into the game uh and let's talk a little bit first um let's start fast a little bit like bath did um and talk about that start and uh, god it was so good for 20 minutes we we looked untouchable charlie yeah we certainly did and uh, one man one man looked more untouchable than others and i think that was freddie burns and i've been telling you all season <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I, I was actually i i know we, we we've we've obviously got our little whatsapp group we were chatting beforehand and i i I did say I said uh, I think it'd be good to get Burns in, uh, get Burns in, give him uh, give him the reins. I think he's been he's been raring to go. I think Blackadder said before the game, you know, Freddie's uh, uh, Freddie's been been kind of itching and chomping uh, at the yeah, bit. chomping in the bit. Yeah, I think is what he said. So uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was good to give him a run out, and he yeah he he he, he looked perfect um at 10 there that crossfield kick to McConaughey was unbelievable mm. uh kind of pinpoint accuracy he did not even have to break stride you know you could not have kicked a better crossfield kick uh yeah he he, he looked uh, he looked untouchable and um uh yeah really really uh exciting to see kind of the likes of uh, Jonathan Joseph who was 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 you know electric right from the start as well he's slotting in perfectly to that second receiver uh, kind of position it was I thought it was really interesting especially for the first time I've noticed that that him and uh, and Roberts was switching around a lot and sometimes Roberts would be crashing up uh, more in the 13 channel that was re- really sucking in the gloss of the defenders and yeah they looked at completely sixes and sevens in that first first 20 minutes didn't they Tom yeah and you know first 20 minutes like utterly utterly dominant and just to put some meat on the bones, 17 minutes, we had 43% of the game in the Gloucester 22. So, uh, yeah, I think they only had the ball for restarts um, in the first 14 minutes. So <laughs> it was a phenomenally fast start. And I think that was sort of the plan going into it because obviously Gloucester had um, had a slightly disjointed uh, weeks of, weeks training. We spoke about um, the injuries and, you know, Danny Cipriani, as it turned out, crucially was ruled fit to play. Um, and he was only ruled fit to play with that groin injury um, in the warm-up at Kingsome. So it was very, very late on. I think um, it was a, it was, you know, I think it was a, it was a, a good tactics from Bath to come out fast and to try and 
uh, maybe take advantage of 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 uh, you know some yeah. of the frailties in yeah. Derby as well, Tom. So uh, you know, form book out the window, fast, fast start down form to that. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, we we were right to do so because uh, Cipriani didn't didn't look fit, did he, Tom? <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> Imagine what you could do with sort of a fully working, yeah, uh, fully working that. body. It's yeah, it's quite phenomenal. I do, I do think there's an element of you know Charlie mentioned Burns there, who um, you know I, I thought was brilliant as well while he while he was on um, JJ as well. McConaughey obviously was was dangerous as as he always is. I do think on the other side of that coin there was an element of Gloucester potentially being slightly off the pace. Um, so in the first half they missed twenty tackles. Um, which was 16% of the tackles that they made during the first half, which is, you know, if, you, if you're missing anything sort of towards 10%, um, you're pretty upset as a, as a professional team. So to miss 16% in that first half um, was pretty for, poor, I think, from from their perspective. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I agree with you when you say that they were, we look sharp, but obviously unable to, unable to, unable to maintain it for, for the full 80. And so clinical as well, I think, in that, in that first period. Like, as, as good as we looked... Uh, we've looked good at times this season and not taken those opportunities, uh, but we still did, you know, took two tries and the penalty. And, and I think what was so good about certainly the first try, the McConaughey try, was we went through, I think, over 20 phases. And when I sort of felt like the move was starting to to break down and uh, and we were slightly being hit behind the game line, that's when Burns changed it and, and put that crossfield kick. And I think that variety in attack coming off Fotoliti, who I thought started fantastically as well, uh, he also faded, unfortunately. But coming off him, coming off Burns, coming off Joseph, I think we looked so good. And the, the variety in the attack in the first 20 minutes in the first 20 minutes was what was so so good and what was so promising. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree, Gabe. And we were... It was also possibility to use the entire width of the field. Mm. You know, we 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 were we were you know, attacking them uh, kind of from from their wingers to then round the fringes and then back out to the wings again. And and I that's why I think Tom the 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 ease that we were spreading our attack uh, and we really got the entire backline going. I mean, you've only got to look at Joe Thock and Asiga, uh, you know, sitting uh, sitting Willie Highs down in his ass. It was a massive hit. Mm. Um, uh, that's going kind of going right down, right down the touchline, and then a few phases later, we've got um, we've got Underhill and uh, Underhill latching on uh, to uh, Tom Dana, you know, crashing over in the, in, in, the, in the middle of the field. And I just thought uh, I, I thought that was really impressive in, uh, in 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 that in that respect. Yeah, and then I think you know showing a bit of game management as well. You know, not always sort of going for the tr- you know we scored a couple of. Um, early tries were looking really good. We got the penalty. Um, we chose to kick for points um, and just keep that scoreboard ticking along. Mm. So I think that was that was uh, positive as well. I, you know, I, it's interesting though because you know, is it is it a fitness thing? You know, there's obviously the old sort of boxing um, analogy. You know, did we sort of punch ourselves out in that first 20 minutes? We were playing the game very hard on the gain line. Um, obviously, significant um, defensive volume um, in that second. Uh, second yeah. half of the first half, sorry. And I I think there was an element of, A, a massive psychological shift when Josh Honick did score in sort of the 44th minute. Mm. And B, we sort of came out to um, t- to face like, you know, a team that had been um, revitalised, had been given a bit of momentum by that try. And also we'd have to put in, you know, a, a physical shift in that first half. I think that was, that was an issue. Yeah, certainly. You know, after that first 20 minutes, the middle half of the game was all Gloucester, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, it is it is hard to, you know, to point out what caused that you know, change in, uh, that change in momentum. But as you say, Tom, that, 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 that stroke, uh, that stroke of play on half time, 
for me, that, that that was the match. You know, they had an easy three points to take, which, you know, would have still given us the upper hand. And them risking going for the corner, you know, I, I, I was almost there willing them to take the three mm. points because I knew yeah. there'd been, there would be such a big swing in momentum if they went to the corner and scored like they did. Should, you know, it, uh, should it be the match, though? Because no, still, I think it was because, but, as you say, that, yeah, that but, swing in momentum, when they come out after think, half time... Hindsight's, hindsight's obviously like 2020, and it, I think as it turned out, it was, and the momentum didn't really come back towards us after that point, but... I don't think it should be like yeah. good. Te- we were still ten points ahead. You know, we had half time, chance to regroup. Um, uh, you know, we should be in a position where we're still able to hang on to that lead. Yeah. And I, I thought it was telling, G, just for hmm. um, you come in that you know Black had his interview um, post match, and he was asked, um, you know, if they hadn't have scored that that Josh Honeck try and we'd been seventeen nil up, would he have been sort of much more confident that we've been able to hang on? And he was like, well, I wouldn't say I'd be confident. I mean, what does that say about the mentality of, of the coaches and the players? If you're not confident that you can hang on to a 17-0 half-time lead, I think that was, that, that was, uh, that was pretty telling. And I, you know, if that's feeding through to sort of the players and their mentality as well, then that's probably the, lo- the reason why we keep throwing away all these games, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I think it, it, was an, it was a huge moment in the game, especially in terms of, of, a, of a momentum swing. Because going into half time with that boost it's it, it's leaving you know Bath Bath wandering into the tunnel kind of heads down they've they, they they've they, they've just kind of given up that lead as you say a 17 point lead you know no matter what time it is during the game you shouldn't really be losing well, you, you, Ten point you shouldn't lead. be losing Ten point lead. you should, you should hmm. still be confident yeah, I, I, I know yeah, i know what you're saying should, yeah, definitely be confident yeah, yeah i i'm i'm going with you but it's it was it was a huge moment in the game. I, I know yeah. you're saying. What, I know you're saying. I know you're saying. I saying about momentum. Yeah. I just think ten, seventeen points. Yeah, ten points. I think we still, if we want to be a top team, want to be a top four team, or, or or whatever, we need to be able to hang on to to yeah. those leads. But G Corn. Well, go. no. What I think is happening is I think it shouldn't have been the turning point, but it was the turning point. I think that's the key here. Like we should still be able to hold on to a lead like that, but we weren't able to. And I think the reason why we weren't able to was like a lot of that was down to the sort of that try on on the stroke of half time, as you say, Charlie. And I think you're right, Tom, like we'll certainly talk about it a little bit more when we, when we delve into the sort of um, Twitter storm that has come out of this game. Uh, when we talk about the coaches and the culture and, and that sort of thing. But I do think like as a team, we should be able to, um, well, looking at any team, they should be able to hold on to that lead. But looking at Bath, it seems like at the moment we're we're just absolutely unable to um, to hold on to that lead, and and that's what's so disappointing. And I, I think it was just it was almost inevitable, wasn't it? Like when we made that seventeen point lead, it was an almost inevitable feeling that we would find a way to to sort of throw it away. Do we get too comfortable? Do, do you think that's do you think that's a possibility? Do we when we get ahead? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to scratch my no, brain for, I, I for, for think, other examples. This I do season. think you, uh, you, when you say about the boxing analogy, Tom, and punching, punching yourself out. I don't think it was that. I think it was sort of being punched out in that in that um, second twenty minute of the first half. Like the amount of pressure we were under. I don't think it was necessarily the momentum of the try. I think it was just the sort of tired bodies that ran into the dressing room. Like I look at some of the guys like Atwood and, and, and Yules, especially in that first half. They were absolute everywhere in defence. 
melting men on on and in front of the game line, driving them back. I'm thinking of Urbano as well, and I do think that 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 20 minutes really took it out of them. And then we saw sort of on the stroke of the set, the beginning of the second half, that try that Ackerman scored. He's run right through that second yeah. that second row pairing of Atwood and Yules, and I do think that work, the amount of work they were forced to put in in the second half of the in the second half of the first half was sort of a massive moment and, and, and not just the Honeck try, but the sort of tiredness that that brought our players, I, I, I do think uh, sort of paid dividends yeah, for Gloucester and, in the end. And, you know, like you mentioned the physical side, but, you know, just going back to, you know, the mental side of things, we, we talk about momentum um, a lot in any sport. Um, and, and what do you do um, if, you know, if you concede a try, you know, just before half time, you try and wrestle that momentum back in the, at the start of the second half to get it back on your side. And we did exactly the opposite of that. We couldn't have really had a, a worse start to the second half, obviously, with Beno Urbano um, getting simbined and then them scoring two minutes um, after after that Simbin, obviously with that Rowan Ackerman try. So, you know, it's about how you respond in those moments and, and we just seem to, um, you know, be a sort of a downward a, a downward spiral when, when mm. those things do happen. Yeah, that Barno yellow card was... I I, I know it's been touted as a, as a, um, as a team, kind of a, a, a team infringement, a team yellow card, but I think it was a bit... It was a bit harsh, you know, to be to be, to be given a yellow card for for that tackle. You know, yes, yes, he had no arms, but that doesn't mean it has to be a, a yellow card. It, you know, it, it wasn't wasn't anything particularly dangerous in in that, in that respect. Yeah. I do think Matthew Carley said on when he did give the yellow card that it wasn't just for that infringement, though. So he'd he'd sort of been they'd been we'd given away um, a number of penalties in that first half, and he sort of said if there are any more infringement, you'll be on sort of you'll get a team yellow card. And I think that was mm. I think yeah. that was I don't think it was a yellow card offence. Just going itself. back to when we had the seventeen point lead, guys, and and you mentioned our, our sort of WhatsApp group there, Charlie, and I think there was a little bit of chat on there about how sort of how are we going to throw this away, and 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 I'll refer to a tweet as well that we got through from Henry Bates at the Bath Badger, who said when we went seventeen and up, I received six messages. Every single one said, watch us lose this now. Yep. There was an obvious inevitability about how we play. And, and and do you think that was the case, Tom? Do you, do you feel like it was inevitable when we went 17-0 down that even that wasn't enough? Like, How big a score are Bath going to need to rack up before we can start feeling comfortable as Bath fans? Oh, I don't know. I reckon we could have a good go at 35, 40 points. <laughs> well, it depends who it's against, really. I think... How many points did we lose by? Four. So it's got to be at least 21. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, push that up as well. <laughs> yeah, and I, I felt exactly the same. And I think I even um, sort of said something quite similar on, on, on our group, you know, just saying, and I've said this before on the podcast, I'd rather us just lose. I'd rather us just get a good <laughs> um, old Sulean style uh, battering. Oh, <laughs> absolutely brutal. The wound still hurt as well. So that is tough. Yeah, just me to, just to, yeah, Gabe and just, I just were to supposed to be. Uh, Gabe and I were supposed the to boys, be playing up. at the wreck. Yeah, we uh, yeah we we took a nice three 0 lead um, last Wednesday uh, in the cup. Yeah, only to uh, yeah. There were there were several unanswered points. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, one Six, match away from the wreck. Sixty-two. But, um, yeah, yeah. Have well, to wait another year, I think. Yeah. Well, it was nice. It was nice to have. Uh, a, you know, I I formed a lovely centre partnership with Matt. So yeah, if you're listening, Matt, there's there's your shout out. But uh, yeah, he uh, he he, he recognised our. Our voices did, didn't it, Gabriel? Which is uh, which is uh, not what I was quite expecting when we stepped onto the field. Yeah, certainly not. And I wasn't expecting uh, 
a scrum half up against me that was about three times my weight, twice as quick as me, and about five times as good as me as well. So uh, a lot of surprises. <laughs> three on times that. the weight. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is saying a lot. So um, yeah, no. Thanks, Tom, for that. Um, let's get back to the to the real action, the Bath game, and let's get into the the second half now, guys. And um, sort of why why did we? We've spoken that it was sort of inevitable. But why did we sort of throw it away? What changed between the the twenty minutes, uh, the the brilliant twenty minutes, to the to the terrible sixty minutes that followed? Sort of, Tom, can you put your finger on one thing, or is it a culmination of a, of a number of things? I think it was a I think it was a few things we did poorly. I think the discipline was bad. Definitely, um, obviously, that, that, you know, sent mainly centered around that Abano um, yellow car, which obviously just gave them that try and put them sort of what sort of three points behind and right back in the game. But I think the main thing that changed was just our accuracy with ball in hand. Mm. So in the first half, we we barely dropped a ball. We were we were offloading really nicely. The interplay, um, you know, uh, led by Freddie Burns, I thought was I thought was really promising. And then just in that in that second half, I think Dave Atwood dropped a mm. couple of balls where we're sort of. Um, just outside our 22 and looking to exit, which again was something else that we didn't we didn't do well. Van Royen, when he came on for Abano, also uh, dropped a ball in sort of a key area. It's almost like we're just giving um, Gloucester as many bites at the cherry, uh, to pardon the pun, um, as they uh, <laughs> as they could have to to, to sort of basically uh, sort of catch us up on the scoreboard. So yeah, I think it was just um, a bit of accuracy that that we lost completely. Um, and then once we started to get rattled, once we started to um, have sort of the crowd against us, Gloucester started to get momentum, um, the discipline started to started to go with it. And, uh, you know, I think we conceded 11 penalties um, in the game to Gloucester's three. Um, so it's very hard to, uh, you know, to, to win a rugby match when, when you're looking at those kind of numbers. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Tom, as well, because, yes, we gave away a lot of penalties. Uh, yeah, you say 11 to Gloucester's three. Um you know, we spoke about it in a game against Bristol that you know, if if we if we better teams will take more advantage of a of a high penalty count. Um, so that's definitely a contributing factor. But also on that on that point, we weren't we uh, we we didn't we didn't manage to keep everything quite quite as tight. I thought it was fascinating that after after the game, I, I saw the line out stats. One our line out, we 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 only had sixty percent with three out of five, but only five line outs to. Gloucester had 19 lineouts on on, mm. on the day, and mm. I think I think there are occasionally times when 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 we eventually when we eventually did get the ball back, we sometimes were trying too hard to kind of get ourselves down into the other end of the field, but rather than kicking the ball. But but we, we I, I I seem to feel like we, there was a couple of occasions uh, where we where we, we we didn't really cut back and field, and then we just got turned over by just by being tackled into touch quite a few times. And I, 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 I thought that was yeah. also contributing to, to it. I mean, not just drop balls, but that kind of poor decision making out on the flanks. Yeah, a number of silly mistakes, I think, from from Bath. And I think Todd Blackadder actually pinpointed the exit as the main area. Um, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday night, chaps. <laughs> Yeah, I'm boring him that much though. He's got to crack another one open. But yeah, I think Todd Blackadder actually um, pinpointed the uh, the exit is the area where we where we really lost the game. And as well as I think Burns and Chudley, uh, Burns and Khan Fotoli started, I think 
um, especially Fotoliti, really struggled to sort of relieve pressure when we when we really needed to it in that second half, and it meant that whenever we cleared, it kind of went sort of just outside our 22 and, and let Cipriani get the ball back in his hands. And he is so deadly when he's got the ball in his hands and he can use the, the likes of, um, of Banahan, Purdy, Seabrook, these guys out wide. And I think that was a key key factor. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing, just before any of you guys come in, but the other thing, it was the breakdown. Yeah. And I think it was something you mentioned on last week's podcast, mm-hmm. Tom. And uh, and I don't think Sam Underhill had his best day. And, and there was so much pressure on him, I think, at the breakdown. Because if you look across the rest of that pack, like if you look across the rest of that team, to be honest with you, there is not really any other sort of out-and-out jackler. Like, you can't really... Like, Nathan Cack likes to get himself over the ball, but he wasn't playing on, on Saturday. And I, I do think the, there was a massive onus on Underhill. And I don't think he quite won that breakdown battle. And I think that was a contributing factor to the penalty count as well. I think we were outdone um, at the breakdown. And I, I think that sort of is shown not only by the amount of possession and territory that Gloucester were able to have, but also by the penalty count. I, I think that was a massive area yeah. on Saturday. Well, two two really good points, actually. And um, just firstly, to sort of come back on what you're saying about the exit you know it, it's, it's called the third set piece it's so important mm. particularly when you score that you exit well and you don't sort of give easy points back to the opposition it's something that Saracens in particular do so well and you know I watched the um the, the, the Newcastle Leicester game on, on the Friday night and that was mm. obviously a, a massive game and a massive win um for Leicester um and one thing that I thought Newcastle did poorly was their exit you know they were fantastic at times particularly you know Gonover um, that, that try was absolutely phenomenal but Takalua really struggled at the base to relieve any pressure even when they sort of got the ball back in their 22 mm. thanks to you know um, what turnovers or whatever they really struggled to get out of their 22 through the box kick or or, or, or the kick from from the tent and it was the same I thought um, from Foto Ali and for me there's obviously been um, a lot of criticism for, for um, Blackadder deciding to bring Freddie Burns off. We now know that obviously that was a, a result of, of, of him having sort of him having cramp. Um, well, uh, compartment syndrome yeah. is, yeah, is actually yeah. I think that, so thing that was he suffered throughout of, his entire career. Yeah. yeah. So that was sort of the symptom of, Very of that was that he, he came off. But I think I would have liked to... Who gave you a medical degree? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I just I just remember what it's. <laughs> I read an article Sorry, and remembered it. Sorry, Tom. God. Well, no, I think I think I would have liked to have seen Chudley um, mm. come on. You know, we spoke a little bit about game management, and um, that's something that he has done very well. He's a calm, um, he's a calm head, as we said many times. So I would have liked to see him come on, come on earlier because I thought you know, um, it enables yeah. us to win that territorial battle a bit better. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you, Tom. Um, exit, I think. Silly mistakes, lack of accuracy, and breakdown were key factors to why we lost that game on Saturday. Can I, can I, just say I, one I think thing the, thing four- about the exit. Mm, go on. So, and this is something that really annoyed me on the day. And actually, um, I can't believe we've got however long into the podcast without me mentioning it. And that was the um, well failed exit on the on sort of the brink of half time when we got the ball back. Um, and I thought we were doing the right thing. We were recycling the ball. We were close to our line, but we, we were recycling the ball oh, um, to, to sort of get the ball out at half time. We'd obviously put in say. a massive defensive shift. And you could hear on the referee's oh. microphone for, for those that were watching it on, on, on BT Sport, every single breakdown, um, the Gloucester players were screaming. I think it was Ben Morgan. Yeah. Well, oh, my days. Were screaming at Matthew Carley. He's sealing off, he's sealing off. And, you know, it, it's something that sort of, um, is is rife to be honest in rugby? You, you see it the whole time, and it doesn't really often get penalised. And you know the Gloucester players certainly put it in the mind of Matthew Carley, and I don't think it was anything more than we see at 
you know, tens of breakdowns during every game of rugby in the Premiership. I completely um, agree, Tom. You know, and it was really frustrating that the, that the players were able to influence the referee by appealing in that way. Ultimately, they got the penalty from that with about 10 seconds left on the clock and, and obviously went on to score, as we said. So for me, that was hugely frustrating. Not what we want to be seeing in rugby. Um, and ultimately, Charlie, you talk about the Honeck try costing us the game. You know that decision. Um, you know, caused that caused that try to happen. And I think it was I think it was a, it was a bad moment in the game. Yes, but when we've when we've given away six or seven penalties or whatever in in that first half, and if you get on the wrong side of the ref, you, you you've got to play the ref. Like, mate, he's not he's not giving a penalty if Ben Morgan's not yeah. there. I mean, Ben Morgan's not getting well, no, the ruck. I, I think, not, I think affect, I think he doesn't affect the ruck in a defensive manner all game. He's not done it all season. All he does is big bash bosh from two yards out and get top of try scorer Thomas Waldrum esque. But he doesn't <laughs> affect the game defensively. He was stood next to Matthew Carney about a foot away and he was shouting and it was it was really nasty to hear Tom. And I I know, I know you text me as well saying you thought the same and and I really like listening to the sort of dulcet tones of, of Nick Mullins and, and Austin Healy was well doing the commentary and all I could hear was bloody Ben Morgan's voice shouting down the ref mic it was really not a good look for rugby I didn't think and and yeah I do definitely think that that sort of influenced the decision I don't think the, the sort of penalty there was anything worse than goes on. Like you're, you're not getting so, away with that. You're not getting away with that a few seasons no, ago. If you're I, shouting at the referee every breakdown, the penalty would go the other way. When I th- when he blew his whistle, I was convinced that he was going to blow his whistle and go, look, shut up, it's my decision, get back 10. Six but or seven phases he was, he was, was shouting yeah. and ultimately it put it, it put it in his mind and... Um, yeah. I'm, not, I, uh, I'm not saying he, he shouldn't have done... Um, I'm not saying that Matthew Carly shouldn't have... Uh, they, allowed him to to, to, to to shout at him like wait yeah, what am I saying? He shouldn't have allowed him to shout like that. I'm not so I'm not, not saying that. But I'm saying if Bath are giving away continued infringe, infringements, you know, for the past twenty minutes, uh it, it, that's also gonna be playing on the ref's mind. And yeah, yeah, it's not I do agree. it's not it's not nice to see I didn't it I, was, I, was, I was in a busy pub. I couldn't I couldn't hear the commentary very well. But yeah, yeah it wasn't a good look for rugby, I, I definitely don't think and um yeah, it was pretty... It's not the only thing that's not looking yeah. good for rugby yeah. in the news, but anyway. <laughs> not <is> go there. <laughs> <laughs> Bath, um, sorry, Bath, Bath. Yeah, Mandolins, Bath, sorry. <laughs> let's <laughs> break, break down as well to, to bring it back. Completely agree with you. We miss Francois Lowe. You know, when, when you got the likes of Lewis Ludlow um, coming off the bench for Gloucester, fresh mm. legs over the ball, makes it really difficult, gives the referee the right picture, even though Mark Atkinson never released Jonathan Joseph from that in that last, yeah, that last right. turnover. Um, you know, he, he shows the referee all the right pictures. We didn't really have anyone doing that all game. Um, and, and, you know, that is, that's, that's you know, a big turning point, as, as we thought it might be. Yeah, yeah. certainly. So, that, so for those asking, I think we've come to exit breakdown and lack of accuracy and I think the final thing we should say as well is the quality of, of Danny Cipriani like we spoke yes, on last yeah. week's podcast how key yeah. he was going to be and, and as much as I think you made the point about Gloucester's improved pack as well Tom and, and they were good on the day but I think we matched them in that department maybe not the breakdown but I think in other areas but I think the quality of, of Cipriani as good as Burns was for, for 20 minutes and for a lot of the game I, I think Cipriani showed his class, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. You know, it's, it's it's easy to talk about players like Jamie Roberts being such a big physical presence that he sucks in players, but when he was talented, the Cipriani, mm. the Cipriani's, I think I think you use the phrase, you know, he he honeypots players; they all mm. drag in towards he's him. Queen B, he's Queen yeah. B, mate. He's Queen B. He's absolute Queen B. When he's yeah. got the ball in two hands and he takes it to the line, he has about three or four players on him, and he can pick whatever pass he likes. He yeah, is, exactly. He's brilliant to watch, and and yeah, um, if only uh, we'd been a little bit quicker, hey? Yeah. 
Well, um, yeah. Right, let's move Don't on. We've got the... Priestland. We've got Priestland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got Freddie, mate. We've got Super yeah, Freddie. Tom, Tom DeGlanville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freddie, though, is drop goal. I'm sorry. I, it, it's out of fashion, but man, do I love a drop goal. Yeah, and let's let's well, move on to something about Freddie Burns, and let's move on to, to the substitutions. And I know this caused a little bit of a stir on Twitter. And I think you're right, Charlie. You've um, you've so accurately informed us about Freddie Burns' his, his syndrome, about the fact that he had cramp, and hence he went off quite surprisingly on about the 60-minute mark just after he'd slotted that drop goal. But I also think the substitutions of, of Roy McConaughey for Max Clark and... As much as I've said, Sam Underhill perhaps didn't have his best game, taking him off as well for a really inexperienced guy in Miles Reed. Two substitutions which certainly raised eyebrows, guys. What were our, our thoughts on those? Yeah, it almost seemed to me almost like a case of we've got subs, let's use mm. them. Because it's it's just not the case. And when you've got someone like McConaughey, who he's been absolutely electric all season, scored a a fantastic try and, uh, and and was looking you know looking very dangerous. He looks dangerous whenever he gets the ball. I don't know why you'd bring on Max Clark, play him out of position yeah. on the wing when you've got an Olympic medalist who <laughs> who's yeah who looked yeah. <laughs> why is just yeah. it's just no need and I you know and you, you're talking about why would we bring these guys off? I also thought photo Alihi was 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 not having a very good game. You know, yes, you said he played well in the first twenty, Gabriel, but after that he couldn't make an impact in any area, uh, in my opinion. And why we aren't we getting Chudley on? Like yeah, Chudley think... is, is is a guy when when you when you're in a when you're in a tight match and we needed to, you know, kind of slow the game down, put the game back on our momentum, uh and that's 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 exactly what Chudley does and yeah. I just feel like it, yeah. it's, 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 it's almost like we had a predetermined plan for when we'd bring X, Y and Z on you know 70 minutes 73 minutes I think with a, with sort of, we've had four or five substitutions at that point and you know you do need to be flexible and mm. as, as a director of rugby as a, as a head coach I think you need to be potentially a bit ruthless and just make changes when you see fit and that doesn't have to be in the last 20 minutes, um, as usual. You can bring guys on earlier if you think they're going to change the game. And um, I don't think we've shown um, that we're sort of flexible enough to do that. I completely agree on, on the McConaughey point. I don't um, see why Max Clark's coming on on the wing. He's, it's, it's not his favoured uh, position. McConaughey, yeah. as we say, has been brilliant. I'm not, I'm not sure about the Miles Reid point. I think he is um, probably slightly better. Um, or sort of slightly mm. more focused at the breakdown. I think, as I said, when you're bringing Ludlow um, and, and Jake Paledri on, I think it was, um, I think it was wise to be honest to, to bring him on and give Sam Underhill a rest. Who's obviously not played that much rugby um, of late. But um, yeah, as we've said, Chudley should have been on. Should have mm. been on. Um, I think at half time, to be honest. Yeah, the uh, the Miles Reed Sam Underhill one. It, 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 it depends how you read it because I think some people did read that as, oh, we've we, we've got a young guy. Let's let's give him kind of 15 minutes at the end of at the end of a game but then people are turning around and saying this is a game we've got to win why are you using this game for example but I, I, I don't think it is that, is that case I do think Tom makes a good point mm. in that in the Underhill was struggling at the, at the breakdown a bit and I think uh, Mars Reed, you know he's, he's 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 very good in that department yeah and then and then moving back to the sort of Freddie Burns substitution guys and and I think this may be slightly harsh but a tw- uh, question we got on Twitter from at probable roller who says boys a discussion on Freddie Burns, Freddie Burns's medical condition, medical condition, which has which has and continues to prevent him from playing the full duration of a match. Surely this was an issue picked up by the medical team at the point 
of signing. Now, guys, I know in, in other sports, um, football is uh, as, as one that springs to mind. There's quite a ruthless medical that goes before the signing. I'm not sure what I'm, I, I imagine is, but I'm not sure whether that's the case um, before rugby. Should this be sort of a, a red flag on, on Freddie Burns? I think it's the first that a lot of people have sort of heard about this, con- this condition yeah. that he's got. Should it be a red flag that your fly half perhaps can't play 80 minutes in a game where he's, he's playing really well? Well, I think the fact that it's the first time we've heard about it probably signals that it's not a, a, you know, as big an issue as, as maybe um, it is being suggested in that tweet. Um, there will be, of course, like a rigorous medical, um, as there is in football. You know, rugby's a very, very physical sport. Um, and, and I'm sure the medical staff do full checks on, on signing a new player. But, you know... <sighs> I'd like to uh, have there been any other games that you know Freddie Burns has played where he's had to come off early through through cramp or whatever. I <laughs> I certainly we, ha- we haven't seen it before, have we? No, um, he's had so, to come off early so, for other reasons, but um, <laughs> steady. Uh, I, I no, because it's, it's, I'd, I'd agree with what what you're saying, Tom, in the way that uh, it's it's really come about that we've all learned about this because mm. he suffered from it on that day and. He hasn't been playing for, for, for a couple of weeks now. And I think that's probably contributed to it because uh, he, he hasn't been playing, you know, that, you know, for 50, 60 minutes, week in, week out. He's been coming on for little cameos at the end of games. Uh, and so that's you know, that, that's probably you know, people are explaining because he was playing so well. People have people have gone up in arms saying, why have you come off? And he's just come out and said, well, I suffer from this condition. I've got cramps. Normally it's 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 uh, it's not so serious and I don't mm. I don't yeah. I don't and have it'd, to come it'd, be, off. it'd be interesting to sort of hear hear from him if he suffered it for, you know in past games for Bath or or previous clubs because oh, he yeah, has w- yeah he, he, he came out oh, saying he? yeah he said uh, he said uh, Gloucester you know Gloucester he was known as 50 minute Freddy because uh, he'd often uh, he'd often get I mean, kind of cramps come around the 50 minute mark so he wouldn't be able to play an entire game fair enough but no, obviously he's sort of got it in check to an extent that it's not he has played for later yeah. for Bath in the past so, I guess I guess it's uh, better being called 50 minute Freddy than 50 second Freddy but yeah <laughs> Oh dear. Right, oh, moving on. Right, let's move on. Come on, let's get through this. Um, and let's turn uh, to Twitter now, guys. Um, and I think there's been quite a big fallout from this um, this defeat, guys. And uh, like, I was trying to do some work on on Sunday, and our Twitter mentions on at Bath Rugby Plug were, were sort of going um, going it's quite too easy, isn't it? For him? <laughs> We're going. Let's concentrate now, Charlie. We're going. Um, we're going off, so to speak, um, after fifty seconds, perhaps. But no. Um, and I think there was a lot of sort of um, anger directed at the coaches. Um, and, and we've been quite persistent on this podcast. I think as a group um, about how you know the coaching setup is the right setup, certainly for now. And we got a tweet, um, a few tweets actually from people about this. And I'll read a couple out now. And we got one from Matt Johns at Johnsy84, who says, we don't deserve to be in the top six, nor do we belong there. Pathetic display once again. Let's be honest, the Bristol win was a scrape. Discipline is a joke. Looking forward to hearing you continue to defend Blackadder and the coaches. Tom, are you going to continue to defend Blackadder and the coaches? I think what, what I'd say in response to that tweet is, you know, if, if you're going to call for, you know, this hire and fire sort of culture that, that, that we're starting to see increasingly in rugby, you need to sort of give an alternative. And uh, I think it's very easy to, to call for Blackadder and Booth or to go. And indeed, Toby, Toby Booth will be leaving 
um, at the end of the season. But it's not a question of just bringing in someone new. These things take time. We spoke about finding, you know, a long-term fly half and how these these sort of decisions um, need due diligence, needs need time spending on them. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I agree that there is something seriously wrong with... Um, particularly I think the mental side um, of the game at, at, at Bath at the moment and you know I spoke about that Todd Blackadder um, interview and I thought that was that was really telling but I just I would just ask you know all these guys on Twitter just just come back to us with some suggestions about Ooh. credible coaches that you think um, you think we want to be bringing in and you know it's very easy to say let's let's bring Stuart Hooper um, in straight away but we've seen at Leicester Tigers for example what happens when you try and bring a young and highly touted guy in like Jordan Murphy it doesn't work these things take time and ultimately they've had to um, get the sticking plaster that is Mike Ford to come and sort of save their season so I don't want Bath to be in a similar situation I'm still behind yeah. um, this sort of long-term vision that club sets out and, and you know um, I I just don't think that, that, that that's the answer. Yeah, and I, I think Hugh Walker as well, at Hugh Walker 15, tweeted us as well saying, Todd to leave early, Todd to leave early, scrap Hooper setting up plan, he has no experience. Absolutely no sodding idea who we bring in as top dog, but nothing has changed for Bath in the time they've been in charge. <laughs> so I think that's exactly it, Tom. I think whilst it's very easy to sort of say, well, let's do this, this and this, I think if there's not a, a better solution out there, then, then, then I, I just don't think changing changing the coach is the right thing to do, and I do think stability at this time is is still the most important thing. And I know a lot of people will perhaps be turning off their podcast, saying, "Oh, well, that's just you know bloody boring podcast," saying that again and again. But I do think that is the right thing to do. Stability at the top of a club, I still think, is absolutely important, and there still is a chance for us to do something this season, get into that top six. And, and, and whilst that isn't sort of a fantastic season, it's not the end of the world. And I don't think sort of hire and fire is, is the way forward. Yeah, I've got the same train of thought, to be honest. And uh, Can someone have? Can someone say Todd out on this podcast? We need to get a bloody... Well, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Mate, I'm, I'm completely give me a minute. Give me a minute. All I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same train of thought because... The way I see it is a couple of results go go mm. this way or the other. This one, for example, we've we've already spoken about so many eighty minute losses and uh, and, and other moments where we've we've managed to, to to draw the game as well. And we talk about the other fixture against Gloucester at home, but it does come to a point where you have got to look at the performances. And yes, we I, we we we've, we've highlighted it's a mentality thing that should be something that comes from the coaches. Uh, I don't think you can say it's as simple as necessarily we just we just sign in uh, a, a couple of players. I don't think you can say just if Cipriani was there, it would be completely different. Mm. Because I, I feel like Bath are suffering from something similar, actually, you know, going on the Gloucester line, something similar to what Gloucester was suffering from, suffering from over the past couple of seasons. And that is just coming out on the wrong side of performances. I think there was a statistic that something like like 10, 10 games Gloucester had finished uh, within seven points of the opposition and they didn't win a single one of them a couple of seasons ago. And it feels like Bath have probably got a similar statistic. Someone oh, yeah. tweet us in if, but, if, if but, that but is then, the case. But then someone will come back to you with that, that Charlie, and yeah. say, well, they changed their coach and things That's exactly what I'm going to say. That's exactly yeah. what I'm wanting to say, Gabriel. Mm. And, and yeah, it, 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 does, it does beg the question, should we have a change of coaching staff? Because rugby is a game of small, uh, small percentages. It's a game of inches. You need perhaps to get someone who's, who's, who's won competitions and he knows how to win. Uh, and he's, he's managed to get people mm. to finals. For example, uh, 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 Ackerman, uh, 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 Gloucester. Johan Ackerman. Johan Ackerman. And 
Yeah, I, I just feel um, like, so like just, we, we need we need a couple more percentages. Yes, and it's it, I, I agree with you when you're saying you can't just say blackout are out, blackout are out. Well, so what are you saying then? So just quickly, are you saying blackout out now, blackout out end of the season, or keep blackout next season? I think I think you've got to keep him because you can't okay. just turn around. I, I think I think you've got to keep him for another season. But we, but they, yeah, I, the, the, I, I, the pl- I'm not really convinced by the Stuart Hooper. Okay, so I'm not really convinced by that because I think you do need experience, and I do think that is extremely valuable. I think if you are going to get experience, perhaps do it at a slightly lower <laughs> level. But I, I think you need someone who knows who knows how to win something, who knows how to get the best out of his players. Mm. He's had that experience, Just, so I think we do need to perhaps look to to you know, Southern Hemisphere teams or you know. Uh, uh, the, Just need our Baldrick, yeah. don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. anyway yeah so i'm I, I i don't know if that puts me on the fence or what camper puts me in but i i, I don't think i don't think we it's as simple as just blackadder out i do think you've got to have him about and you know, give him that that bit of a a, a bit of consistency at, at the top but uh Tom, I, I do think uh, yeah just as, as as simple as you can't just say oh let's just get hooper in because he'll sort it Tom, any more thoughts on this at all or? um not really i, I yeah, I, no, not really. Yeah, I, I do think as well, like a lot of other stuff um, on Twitter has sort of been about the the culture of the club. And, and this is a really sort of tenuous sort of concept, I think. And, and Fuzzy Man at Fuzzy Man underscore 74 tweeted us saying... You don't have to read the yeah, handles every read, time. Yeah, they're they getting extra followers with this or what? Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> but yeah, Fuzzy Man says, I don't know what it is, but the culture at Bath is completely rotten and has been for some time. See no reason to believe that there'll be any significant improvement anytime soon. And what I would say about that, and I know Danny Cipriani came out in his post-match interview and said sort of put that win down to the culture that Ackerman has created since he's come in. And I do think that sort of culture is such a strange thing because the way I see it is a good culture comes from a winning team, not the other way around. I don't think a a, 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 a bad team can have a, a losing team can have a bad culture. And I think if we'd won the games against Worcester, Harlequins, Northampton, this game, Gloucester at home, if we'd had those fine margins go the other way, then it could easily be people saying, oh, well, Blackhead has finally got the culture at That's Bath, right? That's what I was right. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like it could easily go the other way. And I think it's like we don't know the sort of culture of the club at all. Like we see the odd Instagram... Um, the odd Instagram story or whatever, and you know the, the news that comes out of the club, but we have no idea sort of how the players are around each other. And I think if it was sort of the results were going the other way, like who are the teams that have got the best culture? Less uh, Exeter, not certainly not Leicester, Exeter and Saracens, because they're the best teams, and that sort of breeds a good culture. If you win, you've got a good culture. I definitely don't think it's the other way around. I, I, I don't think you can say it's as simple as that because you know. Yes, if a couple of wins and uh, and draws had gone our way, then yes, we would be sat up uh, probably in the top four, and yeah, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But there are teams, for example, you know, recently there's been Gloucester, and you can look at Edinburgh when they've had uh, when they've had uh, uh, Richard Cockrell in, and he's I, I've heard many interviews of players who said he's completely turned uh, turned things on their heads, changed the way things are, and they've been reaping the success and rewards because of it. And I think. The culture at Saracens and Exeter, for example, has been built over a long time. I don't, you know, it, it is, it is what only. Is, can we just define what culture yeah, exactly. is? It's a successful team. Then they will no. mate and they want to go on holiday together. Yeah, but that does that happen at Bath? We, we, all the Bath players ever taken on on kind of skiing trips, for example. That's what happened this year at Saracens. 
Yeah, but I, I don't think it's necessarily. They, is, like, is there is there a Bath player who's who's got he's got a pub and really you know forms these bonds off the pit off the field like they do at Exeter? Yeah, but I don't. No, th- there isn't. Yeah, but that's not like that's not where success is sort of born. I think it's completely it, the other it way is, around. It, but it's, it's very it's important to these if, players. You know, it, it, forming these bonds off a field is extremely important to them. Do you not bring think, them do you not think they form based on results on the field? No, not necessarily. No. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I think it is a bit chicken and egg to be honest. I think as we said success breeds success and it's very easy to form a good culture if you're winning mm. but you need I a, agree with you that need, yeah. you need a bedrock on which a club is built and I think that's what people mean when they talk about culture and there's a reason and it's not just winning and losing there's a reason that you know some clubs find a way to get over the line and we, it's, you can call it mentality you can call it teamwork you can call it culture um, I don't think culture is a particularly um, helpful phrase but I think there is something to be said about the fact that we've spoken so many times about how Bath find ways to throw games away. But what I find really, really frustrating is the reactions of a lot of the players after the game. You, you look at Saras, the Saracens guys, the extra guys, when they lose and they're absolutely gutted. They're, they can barely look the opposition in the eye. You look at some of the Bath players after the, after the Gloucester game, and you know, I, I, mentioned, you know, I noticed in particular Elliot Stuke, who obviously came on for the last 10 minutes, obviously got a lot of friends at, at Gloucester um, f- from his time there. And he was sort of um, you know, doing like, high fi- like these high fives with um, Callum Braley, I think it was. And I was just like, if, you, if you're really buying into the club and the club's success, if you truly are buying into it, you should be absolutely livid after losing you know, a West Country derby, if it, if it really means as much as, as, much as uh, you boys were saying last week. And, <laughs> Um, to be honest, um, I think um, I don't know why, but I think some of the players, um, mm. you know, probably aren't quite buying into it as much as some players at, at other clubs with a so-called better better culture. That's the way I, I see it. Yeah, I think I think just on and you're kind of adding a little bit to that. I do think when teams like Exeter and Saracens lose, you know, there's almost this fear that you don't want to play them next because there's going to be this huge backlash because they're so furious about having lost. And I feel at Bath, it's like, We'll walk off the t- we'll walk off the field having having lost a game we 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 should have won. Going oh uh, oh well that's Bath and we kind of turn up next week as if the previous week didn't really matter. There doesn't always seem the kind of it's kind of, uh, it's kind of urgency to turn things around. Yeah, no, I do accept where you guys are coming. I think maybe I was slightly too strong in saying that it can never go the other way, and I, I do think it is slightly chicken and egg. But I, I do think sort of questioning a culture of a team that could easily be in the top four had a couple of. Um, decisions, a couple of results gone the other way. I think that's quite sort of. We're not bottom of the bloody league here, boys. Like it's been a re- it's been a season of of of, of what ifs and and and, and should have and could have and and that is so frustrating. But I don't think that sort of represents a team which which you know behind closed doors is sort of at each other's throats. Yeah, and to be honest, I look at I look at the table. Well, not so much now, but I looked at the table straight on the you know at the full time whistle. Um, obviously, Quinns were leading Saints at that point. Um, you know, you'd have backed Exeter nine times out of ten to beat uh, Wasps, who are in poor form at Sunley Park. You know, unfortunately, weren't able to to do us a favour there, and mm. and and Northampton uh, scored, but we were uh, scored to win against Quinns, but we were fifth in the table. And you know, I was looking at that and thinking, we're not a fifth in the table side. Like no. some of the some of the performances we've put in, and we're still sitting only a few points really, and a couple of results outside the top four, and a few points outside outside of the top six and you know do we really deserve to be there mm. um i'm not so sure but you're right maybe 
Um, you know, maybe we're looking at this too, too sort of pessimistically. We have had some good wins this season. The league's been very, very tight. There've been two outstanding teams, um, and ultimately, we're not that far off. Yeah, I certainly think so, Tom. And uh, let us know your thoughts on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug or on Facebook or on Instagram or get in touch with us via email, bathrugbyplug at gmail.com because we'd love to know your thoughts about this. A couple of really interesting topics, um, the coaches, the culture and just why Bath keep throwing away uh, leads. Right then, guys, just to finish off this podcast, let's have something a little bit more... um, a little bit more light and I prepared a little game and it's a slight variation on the over-unders game. So I'm going to give you uh, three options and you've got to tell me simply which of them is the higher number. And to give you a little clue, we'll start low with the first question, the second question slightly higher, the third question uh, even higher. How are we, how are we doing three this? Qu- we... We've got three questions. Three questions. thought this took you an hour. Yeah, wait, wait till <laughs> yeah, wait till uh, you get to the last question. So we, are we writing down kind of our answers? Uh, no, just one? Uh, you go first, Charlie, in the first one. Tom go first in the second one. Charlie go first in the third one. Oh, what's an advantage for me? That Great. okay, right, okay, okay. So, um, question number one: Which of these is the most, the highest number? A, the number of Bath Academy players in the England under 18s B, the number of tries scored by Michael Van Vuren for Bath United on Sunday against Saracens Storm. Or C, the number of tries scored by Sam Burgess in his Bath rugby career. Which, Which of is those the is the highest number? Oh, am I going first? Uh, yeah, you first? say you say first. So, under eighteen, Michael Van Vuren or Sam Burgess, which is higher? Oh, uh, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to talk my way through it because I'll, I'll let Tom do that. I think I haven't seen the problem is I haven't seen the 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 Bath United game, but I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go Michael Van Vuren for that one. Tom, what, what, what um, you can talk yeah. us through the rest of it. If you I'm like. not sure about the Van Vuren point. I think there were three under 18s um three bath rugby under 18s ah oh, burgess i remember him scoring one try he probably got another one somewhere i'm gonna go under 18s three <laughs> well actually you are right but um quite a way well a little way off so um the smallest number was the number of tries scored by michael van Vuren. charlie he got a hat <laughs> trick three tries yeah you got a hat trick it must have been must have been a considerable amount for you to have popped it in there but yeah i thought yeah. i thought there were about i thought there was two i can even think of tom de glanville and and, and who else in no the, not de glanville under 18 uh, so even under 18 oh. so, uh, yeah so there's four tries scored by sam burgess oh, and five okay. members of the uh bath rugby academy in the under 18 so tom nice. you go one up question number two which of these is the highest? A, the minute of Beno Urbano's yellow card against Gloucester on Saturday. B, the number of points scored against Bath in our biggest defeat of the season against Saracens at Allianz Park. Or C, the number of tries scored by Bath this season. Oh, that's a good question. So I think Abano. Yeah, it took me an hour. I think Abano, <laughs> I think Abano was about forty-three. Okay. Um, you going to talk Charlie through the uh, oh, thing? Shit, yeah. oh, come on, <laughs> give, me, give me a break. Yeah, uh, yeah good point. Um, I will go for 
How many games have we played? I'm going to go for the Saracens points. Okay, so you're going B, the Saracens points. Charlie, which are you, uh, which are you going for? Yeah, so, oh, that's, that's, that's irritating because I'm, obviously I'm trying to get back from my 1-0 def- uh, down. But yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll probably end up going with the same answer. But I think, uh, uh, yeah, judging by it, I think, yeah, you're right, about right, Tom. It was in the 40-something minute for, for uh, Urbano's yellow card. Uh, I know they, I think it was 52 points to whatever we scored because I know they got the 50 up um, uh, when we lost to Saracens. And I think number of tries, what we've paid, uh, is that in, in, in the, the Premiership? In the, in the Premiership, premiership. only yeah. the Premiership. premiership yeah. yeah, so yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't scored. Have we scored over two tries a game? Well, we've only played... Yeah, what? We've played 19 yeah, games. Yeah, we only played 19 games, yeah. So we'd need like... Yeah, we need, yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go with the Saracens one as well. Yeah, you're both correct. So minute of the Ben Urbano yellow card. 43. Um, 42. Ooh. Tries scored by Bath in the Premiership this season, 39. 44. Okay. And points against Saracens, 50. 50, yeah. So B. So it's, uh, what is it? 2-1 one, two, one two, one. to, um, two to Tom. So I need to, this to put to it back. Tom. So yeah, you can, you can go first. So you've uh, spent another hour doing a tiebreaker, mate. No. We can figure something out as a tiebreaker. You yeah, can just go so, on some Wikipedia um, page. This is the one that took me a little bit of time to <laughs> work out. Which of these numbers is the highest? A, the year of Bath's foundation. B, the total points in every Bath game of last season. Or C, the total number of the ages of the current Bath squad combined with the ages of the current Bath coaching staff. Oh, excuse me, what? <laughs> so let me just talk you through that again. So I feel, which, I feel no, like you're asking it. me how to, rock, uh, how to send a rocket into space. Which of these team. numbers is the greatest? Okay. The year of Bath's foundation. Yeah. The total points in Bath games last season. All competitions. All competitions last season. Or the total ages of the Bath squad's and any first team coach that has a Wikipedia page, because that is what <laughs> I was working on. So there's a few of those as well. So uh, which of those, which of those number is the greatest? Charlie, you get to go first. Is it age of? Is, is that include academy players? No, first team squad okay. and team coach, first team coaches. All right. Not that that probably makes any difference towards uh, towards what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, okay. Um... Oh, I, I can't talk my way through it. I, can't, I kind of want to think out loud. Uh, okay. I am... Pretty, pretty. What are you going for, mate? I'm going to go for... Um, well, I can just hedge my bets here and go the same as Charlie, can't I? Okay, no, yeah, yeah. On, no, don't. Okay, don't, actually, don't. yeah. I'll go first, shall I? Yeah, Tom, you go first, and then Charlie, you talk us through your thinking. So, Tom, you go first. He can't go the same as me, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he couldn't, because he... Can knows. I talk you through what I've done, because I think I've got a spot on. You think it was possible? <laughs> I think I've got it. Spot. It took me an hour. Okay, took you so, one, seconds. Um, so obviously Bath founded 1865. Um, so it's convenient you got your phone out there. Well, it's on the calculator, mate. So I reckon there's about 40 players. Say the average average age is average me? age is about 27. So you got 1,080. Then what? There'll be maybe eight or nine first team coaches listed on on the on the website. So they're not going to be averaging more than 70 each, are they? So that's going to be lower. Points, the points scored last season, I think it's interesting. Um, so probably play, what, 32, 33 games in all? So there would need to be an average of 
about 58 points to get over the 1865 mark. So I think that is the highest year founded. Charlie? Okay, well, yeah. And I'm but, pretty stupid if that's not right. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, especially as we've probably got nailed in a couple of those games. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm going to have to go for the total points scored. I think that's got to be my best bet. Oh, it's so bloody annoying that you work that out, Tom. <laughs> I should have said no calculators allowed, but yeah. So, Bath, Euro Bath Foundation, 1865. Total points in Bath games last season. 1,300? Uh, 1,500, uh, no. 1,516, yeah. so 1,516. And the total of ages of Bath squad and first team coaches oh, was, yeah, 1,620. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Bath Foundation, the Bath Year Foundation, the highest number. So, uh, Tom takes that quiz out and, uh, yeah, fair play. Well, I'm still waiting for you to win a game fairly, but that's fine. <laughs> you, know, you can get your calculator out in a, you know, in a friendly contest. Don't worry. You'll, anyway. be call, you'll be calling for game of Who Am I next week, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly will, because you're rubbish at that, because you can't get a living I'll, calculator. I'll be, I'll be lining up a quiz next week, boys. Okay. I've got something special in mind. Oh, that's a promise that um, I'll keep you to. Take one to someone else to do some uh, prep for the podcast aside from me, guys. But um, anyway, that just about does it for this week's podcast. A little bit of a, a marathon effort for you there, guys. But um, hopefully, unlike Bath, we didn't just peak in the first 20 minutes and then fade out for the rest of the podcast. Hopefully, you're still with us. Hopefully, you've really enjoyed it. And if you has, if you have done, then a couple of jobs for you guys. Please review us wherever you get your podcast. That really helps us sort of spread the word of this podcast. It helps us get up the ratings. Um, I don't really know how, but it does. And the second thing you can do for us is please, please tell your friend about it. Um, Because that is, again, the only way we have of spreading uh, the podcast around. So please tell your mates, please review the podcast, and please get in touch with us on social media with your thoughts about anything that we've touched on on this podcast or anything that you'd like us to touch on in future podcasts. Another tough uh, defeat for Bath this weekend. But as we always say on this podcast, boys, thick and thin. Thanks, Charlie. Cheers, Gabriel. And cheers, Tom. Cheers, guys.